these next several weeks. If you are visiting with us, I'm just glad that you're here today. If this is your 1,000th Sunday in church and it's just one more new year, I'm so glad you're here. If this is your first Sunday back in a while, I'm glad you're here. If this is your first Sunday maybe as long as you could ever remember, I'm glad you're here. And we're all on the same footing at this point in time, right? We're, we're all, we've all got perfect attendance for 2017. So even if you've not been a habitual church goer, I mean, right now, I mean, 2018, you've got a perfect attendance record. So here it is. I mean, it's, it's yours to ruin now. I mean, right now, it's, it's, it's success is all that you've got uh, for you. And I'm somebody who just, I, I like to set goals. I like to, th- I like to try to think of myself as being fairly self-aware and reflective. And uh, not to say that I do this all perfectly, but I, I really like the turn of the year because it gives an opportunity that I think is just natural for people to sort of stop and sort of look back over the last 12 years. If for no other reason, then you're going to have to pay taxes on it in a couple months anyway, and just kind of look where we've been what we've done, where we're going, and we've been spending some time within the staff and within the eldership and even within our uh, ministry coordinators and, and community group leaders just talking a little bit about what is the kind of church that we're really wanting to be this year. And we're going to talk about that in this series. Uh, we're going to talk about that over the next couple of months. We, you know, we're not going to lay it all out here today, I suppose. We're going we're to give you a lot of really good information but, but as I thought about what is it that's going to be required to make 2018 a successful year, and it's going to be us deciding that we're going to go all in for Jesus Christ. It's going to take me making that decision, that I'm going to live my life all in for Christ, that you are going to make that decision to live your life all in for Jesus Christ. And if you're here and you're not a Christ follower, I would say that Scripture tells us that whatever we do, we should work at it with all of our might. And so I would say maybe your take-home today would be this, is that whatever you do, you're going to do it 110%. Because when we live our life with total commitment, I think we find that we're happy with the results. And yet often we live our lives with sort of a half-hearted commitment. And half-hearted commitment always brings disappointing results. It, it just does. You know, we've all been there. We've all been at this place where, you know, the, the time was running out and it was short and, and we said, man, we just got to get this done. And so, wow, we just put this together and we've got phrases for it. Something like, you know, it's good enough for government work. Sorry to all of our government employees here. You know, we say something like that. And we say, oh, we got to just put it together. We just got to get this done. But I've never met anybody who said, you know, listen, I want you to come see what I did. I didn't put any effort into this. I didn't hardly try. I just, you know, I just kind of threw this thing together. What do you think? I've never met anybody that's invited me to come and look at something that they did haphazardly. They did halfway. It's, it's a problem when we do that. When we do that, we get less than excellent results. There's a website called You Had One Job. And this is a website dedicated to people that put in less than 110% of the effort. How about this one right here? This guy's one job is to put keys on the calculator. And here's what ended up happening. 789-156-0234-00. I mean, goodness. I mean, it's, you just got to put them in order. Okay, just one, one to nine. Okay, this is what we're doing here. This is all you've got to do. You had one job. I'll just put it together. It'll be fine. How about this? This guy is labeling crayons. If you're colorblind, Steve Briggs, you're not going to be able to figure this out. Um, they all say yellow, but for those of you that are, we've got a red, a green, a blue, and then a yellow crayon, but they're all labeled 
yellow. Thank you very much. You had one job. Just put the wrapper on the crayon. That's all you've got to do. Just put the wrapper on the crayon. How about this right here? This one's my favorite. Uh, it says watermelon. Uh, I don't know if you can read that, but that's clearly cabbage, okay? So somebody in the produce department is labeling things, and it's just, it's just too much work to flick that thing over and be like, all right, this is cabbage now. I got to get out of here. I'm just going to, this is going to be good enough. All right, that's how that works. How about this, the, the, this uh, guy's painting the street sign, bike lane, right into the bollard. That, that might explain why there's a lot of bike accidents here. All right, uh, let's see. We've got this one here, the goggles ad. Somebody in the ad department said, don't pay $9.95. They're only $9.95. So that's what you've got going there. Um, you just had to proofread it. That's all you had to do. Just one job. Uh, how about this? The, the door. This one will... This will I don't know what you're going to do now because you've got some real problems. You've got do not enter and enter only. So you're trapped. That's it. You can't go anywhere. All right. This, okay. The, I, this one really is my favorite. All right. This last one. Here we go. Uh, yeah. Just, <laughs> just fill a candy machine up with Skittles and M&M's. That's all you got to do. Just open the bag, huh? Just open the bag. That's just one job. You just had to open it up and pour it in, friends. This is your only job. Half-hearted commitment. It never brought excellence. It never got anybody a raise or a promotion. You know, nobody's boss ever brought him in and said, you know what? I see that you've really been putting in less than your best, and I really want to reward you for that. Half-hearted commitment never built a great marriage. It didn't. Half-hearted devotion never got you a great relationship with God. It just doesn't. And as I think about how it is that God wants to relate to us, as he wants to relate to me and to you, he wants us to respond to him with wholehearted commitment. I think this is what we mean by faith. That by faith we say, I'm going to go all in. I'm going to live my life trusting completely in an unseen God who I believe is leading me, guiding me, and providing me, and I'm going to go all in. I think that's what we mean when we talk about living a life of faith. There's a character in the Old Testament, his name is Elisha, and he lived his life all in for God. He had a spectacularly powerful prophetic ministry a couple thousand years before the time of Jesus Christ, and he was known throughout the nation as really being God's man. But unfortunately, like all of us, his life doesn't last forever, and he is ill, he is dying, he knows it, and the nation knows it. And as Elisha is lying on his deathbed, the king of Israel, Joash, comes to Elisha, and Elisha is there, and Joash sees him, and Joash starts to, to mourn, and he starts to lament the fact that Elisha is dying. Now, it's not that Joash particularly liked Elisha, because Joash is constantly being rebuked by Elisha for things that he is doing against the will of God. But Joash likes Elisha for one reason. Whenever Joash has success militarily, it's because Elisha has told him that God is on his side. And so now Joash sees his only source of victory as going away. And so he is lamenting probably not Elisha's life, probably not Elisha's connection with God, but his own capacity to have success. And he goes to Elisha, and Elisha being this Old Testament prophet, the kind of guy that would wear, you know, camel's hair underwear and eat locust and honey and all the weird things that the Old Testament prophets used to do. He meets Joash in this moment, and he gives him an object lesson 
about what it is that, that he could have in God. Uh, let's look here in 2 Kings 13, 17. We see that they're there in Elisha's room, and it's Elisha. It says, he said, open the window eastward. And Joash opens the window. And Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory. The arrow of victory over Aram. For you shall fight the Arameans in Aphek until you have made an end of them. You see, Elisha had told Joash, he said, I want you to grab... Uh, the arrows, and I want you to grab the bow that your guards have brought with them, and I want you to open up this window, and I want you to shoot an arrow of the Lord's victory. And he makes it very clear that the arrow symbolizes the victory of God. And then Elisha does this. You read a little bit further in the text, and it says that he grabs a bunch of arrows, he gives them to Joash, And he says, Joash, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take these arrows of victory, and I want you to strike the ground with them. I want you to strike the ground with the arrows of God's victory. And the picture that we get from the text is that Joash takes the arrows, and he goes, is is that good? Is that good? I did it. I struck the ground. And here's what Elisha has to say to him, 2 Kings 13, 19. He says, the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Aram until you had made an end of it. But now you will strike down Aram only three times. You see, here's what Elisha is angry about, is that there was something in this conversation that made it abundantly clear to Joash that this was the victory God was giving to him and that he could have as much victory as he wanted. And he should have struck the ground, it says, five or six times. And maybe the implication is that he should have struck the ground until Elisha told him to stop striking the ground. But Joash does not want to enter into this. Joash doesn't want to come into this with a wholehearted devotion. And instead of going, I want victory, he says, all right, well, how about, is that good? Is that good? Is that going to get me somewhere? And Elisha is furious because he says, you could have had victory. If you had gone all in, if you had said, I want the Lord's victory, you could have had it, Joash. But instead, because you accepted God's victory with half-hearted commitment, you get really nothing. And friends, that's how God works. God comes to us and he hands us all manner of things. And he says, do you want this? And we're like, well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I do. You see, when we accept things with half-hearted commitment, we don't receive them at all. God says, I want to give you victory. God says, I want to give you victory in your family. I want to give you victory with your children. I want to give you victory in your relationships. I want to give you victory in your friendships. I want to give you victory in school. I want to give you victory in your work. I want to give you victory over pornography. I want to give you victory this year. And he is handing it to you. And the question is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to go all in or not? We've got to stop refusing the victory that God has given us by accepting it with only half-hearted commitment because Jesus is calling us to total commitment. Jesus calls us to total commitment. 
This is what God has wanted from the time of Elisha uh, to Jesus to us today. As a matter of fact, you could go back to the book of Genesis, and you would see that the first time that he even deals with humanity, Adam and Eve, what does he want? He says, I want you to be totally committed to me. I want wholehearted commitment. You can have everything but this one thing. And they say, you know what? We really want that one thing, but we'll, we'll stick to pretty much everything else. Friends, God has always called us to wholehearted commitment. And Jesus' life was lived as an example of what that looks like when somebody takes it seriously. Whether Jesus was teaching, healing, traveling, walking with the disciples, talking with his disciples, it was clear that everything he was doing, he was doing it all for God. And after Jesus lived his life this way, he turns to his disciples in Mark chapter 8. And it says, Jesus called the crowd to him along with his disciples. And he said, if anyone wants to come after me, what's he got to do? He's got to say no to himself. He's got to pick up his cross and follow me. If he wants to save his life, in other words, if you're going to hedge your bets and you're going to say, all right, Jesus, I'll follow you this far, but not any further than that. I'm going to make sure I can always come back to my safe place. I'm going to make sure I can always come back here. Jesus says, if you hedge your bets, you come in at this with half-hearted commitment, then you cannot follow me. It says, he who wants to save his life will lose it. But if he loses his life for me and for the good news, he will save it. In other words, Jesus is saying, if you will go all in for me, you will save your life. Life, and you will have that abundant life that I'm promising you. You know, we do talk about living our lives as less here at Bowling Green Christian Church, and that seems really, really foreign and really, really bizarre, I know, to a lot of people. But here's the thing. The world does not revolve around me, and it doesn't revolve around you. And I'm sorry if this is like news, but it doesn't. Jesus is saying, listen, if you want the fullness that life has to offer, and I can tell you that Jesus is right from my own personal experience, then you've got to become less so that I can become more. You've got to go all in for me. And Jesus is telling us that there's really only two possible positions that we can live our life. It's like a switch, on or off. Jesus says, you can live your life all in for me or all out for me. You can't put the switch in the middle. It won't stay there. It's either all in or it's all out. And the question for you today and the question for me today is where are we going to put that switch? Is it going to be all in or is it not? At Bowling Green Christian Church, our mission is to become less so that Jesus can become more in us and in our neighborhoods this year. Now, this might be a bit confusing to some of you who are new. You might be going, ah, what's less mean? How does this work? What does this look like? I want to spend the next several weeks actually talking about what this looks like very practically. But today, I want to say this. I want to get at a few of these specifics because it's important we grasp this because when we live a life that's all in for God, that life is powerful and it is eternal. And it's the kind of life that we want to live. Uh, less is an acrostic. It stands for uh, love, encourage, serve, and share. And I've got a little graphic here. Don't make fun of it too badly. Um, that I think explains this. It's, it's a little bit of, it's a house. Here we go. Let me give you, I'm going to build this house backwards. Uh, if, if you're trying to figure out what does less mean and how does this work? Well, it's, we start with love. This is the love of God. God's love, it's supposed to cover us, and it covers everything that we do. It's our love for God and God's love for us. And it's God's love that covers everything we do, that, that guides everything we do, that motivates everything we do, that protects everything we do. And, and it is my prayer that God's love would be a motivating factor for me and that God's love would be the motivating factor for you and for Bowling Green Christian Church. In everything we do, I want to make sure that we build it under God's love. Right under the roof, we've got the house itself, and it's, it's the family of God 
Who gathers in the house but the family? This is the church. This is us here this morning for those of us who are Christ followers. This family, we gather every week here on Sunday mornings. We gather in community groups throughout the week. Why do we do this? We do this because we want to encourage each other to live a life all in for God. Because we believe that when you live a life all in for God, it is powerful and eternal. And we want to help each other live that kind of life. Because let's be honest, it's hard. There's a lot of things that, that pull for our attention. There's a lot of things that would try to take us away from that. And we need people to remind us, hey, it's time to go all in. Now, we don't live in this house just to keep it you know, a secret, just to keep this awesome life to ourselves and not share it with anybody. No, God's called us to more than that. And so we've got a step that leads into this house, and that step is the step of sharing, sharing the good news. You know, we want to invite other people into this kind of life. You know, people come to church and they're like, you know, it's just about nickels and noses. Listen, this isn't anything I want from you. This isn't anything the church wants from you. It's something that we want for you. We want for you, if you have not experienced it already, to experience the fullness of a life that is lived all in for God. And when you do, you will find that a life that is lived all in for God is powerful and is eternal. And for those of us who are Christ followers, it's our responsibility to go outside of the house, to take that first step, and to share the good news about Jesus Christ, to let other people know that they too can come in under the protection and grace of God's love. There's another step that sometimes we have to take, and that is the step of serving. You know, sometimes you can't reach people from this top step. You know, you can't quite get to them from here you got to step one more step down and invite them to come in through showing them that you care for them, that you love them. And you can think of this in several ways. You, know, you can think of this as, as going and, and serving at Meals, Inc. or Hotel, Inc. or Room in the Inn, uh, or going over to Bristow and helping out. Or, or you can find other ways to invest in people, too. It doesn't have to just be the poor. I mean, it could be your neighbor next door who's literally going through a really hard time, and it would mean the world to them if you cut their grass, or it would mean the world to them if, if you watch their dog one weekend, or it would mean the world to them if you, your kids and their kids got together a little more often. You're just going to be investing in people. You're going to go down two more steps. You're going to just go down there and say, hey, listen, I want to invest in you and show you God's love in a tangible way way, and then you invite them to come inside. We've got to be investing in people and inviting people to come in. And that's what this looks like in pieces. Now, I want to give you maybe a broader picture of what does this look like from the outside? Like, how could you maybe describe this? Because if we live our lives under the love of God, where we're encouraging each other, we're sharing God's invitation, we're serving people, then people are going to look at us and and they're going to notice something, I hope, I believe. You know, when we serve and put things together over at Bristow, it's amazing. You know, we started doing that over at the Bristow Church, and then this year we had people from a volunteer fire department found out what we were doing and got involved in that, and they started to take notice that there was something happening. There was, there was something that was loving going on in the community, and people were drawn to that. And it's an amazing thing what happens when we really live this thing out. And people who don't go to church and don't know us and don't know motivation, and don't know what we're trying to do here, they may not be able to say, you know, oh, I get that you're living under the umbrella of God's love and you're encouraging each other. They may not get that. But here's what they will get. They will say, there are those people, that church, they live their lives for other people. They live their lives for their neighbors. And that's our theme this year, is we want to be for our neighbors. 
That's our theme this whole year. We want people to look at the church. We want people to see the things that we do and hear the things that we say and say that is a church that is for our neighbors. And just to make sure we all remember that, that's what we're putting on all of our challenge bookmarks this year, is to remember that we are for our neighbors. Because we want to be a church that is living this out, that isn't just huddled in the house, you know, encouraging each other to not go outside and keep the doors locked and the window shades drawn, but to be going outside, showing God's love. And I believe that when people see that, they will be drawn to that. Now, friends, it's not an easy way to live. It is challenging to live your life loving and serving others. If you're here this morning, I know, you know we've had a lot of services together, and I know some of our, our senior, uh, senior saints who've been here since the time Jesus left, and then you had the Apostle Paul, and then uh, the Perkinsons founded Bowling Green Christian Church here. Um, I'm just kidding. There's people that came right before that. Um, but if you're here and you've been with us that long, you, you've been here longer than me, you've been here longer than some of the elders, you've been here longer than the kids, but, but look at where we're at, Okay. This church has grown, and its facility has expanded, and we've added to the people here. Why? Because from the very, very beginning, back in the 1960s, you, as our senior saints, said, you know what? We are going to live our lives for our neighbors. We believe that the Bowling Green community needs a church like this. And so we're going to plant this church here, and we're not going to plant it for ourselves. We're going to plant it for everybody that's not here yet. And this church, it exists for everybody that's not here. And, you know, the music styles have changed, and, and some of the faces have changed, and we've, we've lost some people. Some of our friends have died. Some of our friends have moved. But you know what? We're still here with that same vision and that same hope that says we don't exist for us. And, you know, as a, as a person who's lived in church his whole life, there are Sundays when there are things I don't like. And I know there's Sundays where there are things that you don't like, but we don't complain about it here. Why? Because you get and I get that it's not about me and it's not about you. It's not about you feeling comfortable and it's not about me feeling comfortable. It's about all the people that are outside coming in and finding that they can feel comfortable and feel loved in the presence of God and they can see their lives transformed. And so we might have built this within the last, I don't know, year, 18 months, it's all flown by. But we didn't build it for us. We built this for everybody else that's not here right now. And it's important that this year we remember that it's not our job to sit in the house. It's our job to take a step and then another step out into the community and bring the folks that are outside inside because that's what God wants for them. That's what we want for them. We want them to discover that a life that has lived all in for Jesus Christ is powerful and it is eternal. And so in order to help us sort of facilitate that and make that happen, we've put some thought into the preaching calendar this year. We've put some thought into the programming calendar this year. I want to give you a quick preview of what that's going to look like. The first, just the first six months. We won't go through all 12, just the first six months here. Right now we're in the middle of this series, All In. And it's about us getting connected to each other. And it's about us getting connected to God so that we've got the necessary support this year to live for our neighbors. That's what it's about. And so it's important. What do you, how can you set yourself up to succeed in this series? Let me tell you, make a commitment to come every week. I know some of you are like you're on the every other week plan or the once a month plan. You know, it's not any cheaper. You don't pay more if you come every week. Okay, it's the same price. But the, the, the amount of benefit you will get, I think, will be phenomenal. 
So make sure that you commit yourself to attending uh, this year. Make sure you join a community group or a Sunday school class. Uh, you know, we had a deadline. If you sign up today, I, I know somebody that knows somebody that'll sneak you into a group, okay? Just make that happen. Uh, if you're new and you're thinking, man, I, this sounds really great. I want to get involved. Come to that connection lunch. Come to that connection lunch. And you can find out a lot more about the church. All right, we're going to come out of this series and into another series called The Art of Neighboring. And it is going to be a challenge uh, to everybody that's leading into Easter to be neighbors by inviting uh, people that are close to us to come to church. Uh, this whole series is going to be going through the Gospels. I just, you know, looked, neighbor, you know, just looked that word neighbor up. And all the places the word neighbor showed up, I just started reading and looking and trying to figure out what are the themes Jesus has to say about neighbors and friends. It's pretty amazing. I think you'll like it. It's going to challenge you as it's challenged me to, to be a better neighbor, the kind of neighbor that Jesus wants us to be. Uh, we're going to do the peeps again. We're going to try to, you know, invite our neighbor peeps to come. We're going to, you know, we're going to set up something out here called the neighboring kiosk, or we might do it online. We're trying to figure out the logistics of this, where if you are somebody who's got some skills, you know, maybe you are a leaf blower, a computer fixer, a, a window washer, uh, and you're saying, you know what, I've got about an hour a month or two hours a month I could give. We're going to have a little thing where you can post that and say, I am a neighbor. And other folks in the church and maybe even the community uh, will come and maybe say, I need a neighbor. And we'll try to co create some sort of exchanging network where we can actually put into practice this idea of being for our neighbors. Uh, after that, we're going to kick into a new series called Fearless. This is a great series to invite your friends and neighbors to. This is going to be, uh, this really Easter Sunday is going to be the Sunday that we're going to really talk about how Christ came to set us free from fear. Uh, we live in a time and a place where we are afraid, okay? We are so afraid. People are afraid. They're terrified. They're afraid of, of, the, of economics. They're afraid of the flu. They're afraid of North Korea. They're afraid of the government. They're afraid of the police. They're afraid of the people that are afraid of the police. Uh, I mean, friends, we live in a time of fear. And if you're going, well, I'm not afraid, then, I mean, I suspect you have worry. I, I suspect you have anxiety. I suspect that you are like me. And we live in a time and a place and a culture that just is full of fear mongers. And Christ has come to say, you know what? I want you to live a life that's free from fear. And so if you know somebody that's drawing breath and lives in America, I suspect that they will find this to be a series that would have some good news for them. Uh, we're also going to challenge you to serve without fear, even serve in your neighborhood. And we're going to try to challenge you to host a neighborhood social event where you can just create some good relationships. In May, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about what it means to be a church in progress uh, with a series we're calling Hot Mess. Um, Okay, friends, the church is a hot mess. It just is. You know it. I know it. You know, we, we do no good in denying it. And so we're going to actually go through the book of 1 Corinthians as we look at the hot mess that was in Corinth and how that is us. And we're going to try to really become a church that is a little bit better through following Paul's teaching. And then in June, we're going to finish out 1 Corinthians as we look at personal uh, lessons, as we talk about living a life with God's superpowers. Uh, we're going to try to be incredible because God has given us this amazing gift of the Holy Spirit. And when we live our lives all in for God, we find that we have some amazing abilities uh, in our lives. And so we're going to be talking about that. Alongside this, we're going to be running community groups. Really hope that you're a part of that. Uh, we're tinkering a little bit with our Sunday school hour. We're going to be rolling out some elective classes for folks who, you know, got some things you maybe want to work on. Uh, we're starting with our marriage class. Uh, we've, we're looking into a financial class that's going to be coming out. We're going to be looking into some introduction to Christianity kinds of classes, to sharing your faith kinds of classes. These will be like six to eight week classes where if you're saying, man, I really want to live my life all in, but I don't know how to do this. We're going to try to help you do those things through our elective plan. 
Now, we're doing all of this, and we've put a lot of thought into it, uh, for one reason and one reason alone. We want you to live your life all in for Jesus Christ this year. And so everything we do, everything I say up here, is going to be designed to help you live your life all in for Christ. That is what we're doing. But there is one thing we cannot do for you. We cannot make the decision to live your life all in for Jesus Christ. I can make the decision that I'm going to live my life all in for Jesus Christ this year. But you've got to make that decision for yourself. You know, will you or won't you? You know, are you going to live a life that is self-centered, that revolves around you, that assumes that you are the center of the universe? Or are you going to say, you know what? No, the world revolves around God. He made it. It's His. It belongs to Him. And I'm going to live my life in a way that is oriented that way. And I would say I would want you to do that for yourself because a life that is lived all in for God is powerful and eternal. That's the promise of Jesus Christ. That's the promise He made. Mark 8, 35, it says, if He loses His life for me, and for the good news, he will save it. Jesus says, if you take a giant cannonball out into the unknown, into faith, you will find that I am there, and you will find that you save yourself by losing yourself to me, by going all in. That's the testimony of Elisha. This powerful man who hands Joash the arrows of God's victory and says, Joash, here, this is God's victory, Joash. How much victory do you want? just that much? Is that enough? I want you to take a hold of the victory that God is giving you and live your life all in the way that Elisha did. Where God hands you the victory and you say, that's, that's exactly what I'm going to do, God. You've given me this victory and I'm going to accept it. Now, there's another story about Elisha that's pretty bizarre. It's pretty wild. It's pretty spectacular and amazing. Just a few verses after this, Elisha dies and it says that he's buried and in this time, uh, you know, they buried people often in the same places, usually in a cave. Uh, you know, they would usually bury them all in the same place because they, what they would let happen is they would let the, the bodies get buried and then, you know, in the cave, and then they would actually come back later and, and collect the bones sometimes and put them into a box. And, and it seems that Elisha has died, and now there's another guy that's about to be buried. And this story is one of those stories where you're like, did this really happen? And I'll tell you, I know that it's spectacular, but there is, I have found over and over again that the words of Scripture are true and powerful. And I believe that things are in the Bible. I'm sorry, I don't believe that things are true because they're in the Bible. I believe that they're in the Bible because they're true. And listen to this, what happens next. It says, so Elisha died and they buried him. Now the bands of the Moabites used to invade the land in the spring of the year. And as a man was being buried, a marauding band was seen. And so you can get the picture here, right? This is like a funeral party. They're all there. They're digging the hole. They're getting ready to throw the body, you know, into the right place. And notice what happens. It says they see these raiders are coming, and they're like, oh, my gosh, we got to get out of here. Just throw them in there. Just throw them anywhere. And so it says they throw the body in. It says, and they throw the man into the grave of Elisha. And as soon as the man touched the bones of Elisha, it says he came to life and stood on his feet. Now, friends... I think that this is an incredible foreshadowing that reminds us that when you live a life for God, even death doesn't stop you, okay? It doesn't hold you back. It doesn't prevent God from doing amazing things through you. And this is a foreshadowing of what happens to everybody who dies and is buried into Jesus Christ, that you live and you stand on your feet. Friends, that's how I want to live my life all in for God, in such a way that even death does not stop me. 
kind of life that is thrown on top of Jesus Christ, and I stand to my feet and I say, God, I'm going to live my life all in for you. And so as we begin this new year and we think about this amazing thing and we think about what we've got in Jesus Christ, I just want to ask you this question. The victory is yours. Are you going to take it? Are you going to go all in? And if you're here this morning and you're Christ following, you say, man, that's me. That's exactly what I want to do. I would love it if you would just stand on your feet right now and say, you know what? I'm going to live my life for Jesus Christ. I'm going to go all in. Just go ahead and stand up and say, that's my commitment this year is to live all in for Jesus Christ. I want to pray for us right now. God, for everybody that's here this morning and that has said, you know what, I'm going to live my life all in for Jesus Christ and I'm going to stand to my feet because I have been buried in Jesus Christ and I can't help but be alive and I can't help but go all in. God, I pray that you would give them the strength and the power this year that they will need to live their life all in. I pray that they would get connected here at the church, they would get connected in community groups and that, Lord, they would do everything that it takes for them to live their life all in. You have given them the victory already. You've handed them the arrow of your victory, God. And the question is, are we going to accept it? And I pray for everybody that stood for that reason, that, Lord, you would give them the strength to say, yes, I'm going to live my life all in. And, God, whether they need an arrow of victory in their life, in their marriage, or whether they need it in their, their personal life, whether they need it to kick a habit, to, 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 stop, to stop getting tangled up in pornography or alcohol or drugs or whatever it is that they're, they're hanging on to, God, I pray that you would give them that arrow of victory that they desperately need. And, God, for all the other folks in here that maybe just stood because everybody else was standing and it's kind of awkward to sit when everybody else is standing, God, I pray that, that they would hear today that what you want for all of us is to live our lives all in. Because when we live our lives all in, we're so much happier with what comes out of it than when we live things half-heartedly. And God, I pray that, that they would have the courage to start to pursue and think about a relationship with Jesus Christ. That they would, maybe not today, maybe they can't get there today, but that maybe someday soon they could make a decision because they found the love of God so compelling. They found your love so compelling that they would give their life to Jesus Christ and live it all in for him. We pray these things all in the name of Jesus. Amen.